welcome back to another Box to Box episode, a big Champions League week. Jesse, do you want to round it up real quick? Yeah, um, a fun week in the Champions League. Some terrible goalkeeping, yes. some very nice goals, some dramas, you know. I think the, the Leon result, obviously them drawing with Juve, that was probably unexpected. Benfica Bayern was kind of crazy too. A lot of comebacks so far and it's only the second week of the Champions League. Yeah, a lot of comebacks. I feel like definitely this year's group stage feels a lot more unpredictable and exciting than last year's. It wasn't I mean we didn't really predict that it was going to be this unpredictable. It was <laughs> it was always it was always meant to be an unpredictable predictable group if that makes sense. <laughs> but I mean Obviously, Benfica drove Bayern really closely and obviously um, a big penalty save at the end to literally prevent Benfica from winning. So that was kind of interesting. But yeah, do, let's jump right into it. Yeah, we've got a lot of games. Um, let's kick off with Juve 1, Leon 1. This was... I don't know how much you managed to catch of this because obviously you were on your way to Arsenal. Yeah, I only watched the highlights, but I, I really enjoyed the group chat updates. <laughs> I was like updating everyone. We were already settled in pitch side and I was just getting texts from it. And I was just like, oh my God, guys, it's happening. <laughs> yeah, so Leon with one point from their opening two group games. Before we chat about the actual football, are they in, da- like, are they in danger of going out? They like, are. Could they go out? Yes. That would be so dramatic. Everything is going to ride on... Okay, no, here's the actual Here's the actual question, because I think it's all just going to go down to Lyon-Juve, but then I think Arsenal-Lyon is going to be the decider. Because if Lyon can't get those points off of Arsenal, then I think that's, that's going to be it. Like, even if they beat Juve. I don't know. I, I'm doing quick maths in my head, and it's not making any sense. But I think... Do you think they can beat Arsenal at the Emirates? Not on the way they played last night. I think also it will be interesting. I do think those Juve Arsenal games could be interesting because I think, I think I will give the edge to Juve playing better in this game, even though the XG kind of comes out as zero point five Juve, two point four Lyon, and Juve didn't have a single shot on target because their goal was just this hilarious Mallard own goal. That was so bad. But I think Juve definitely played better. I thought Berenstein looked good. Grosso looked good in the midfield. I thought they looked so much more fluid than Leon. Maybe just what they were missing was <laughs> maybe like Alina Hurtig, right? Someone who was a bit more able to kind of finisher. More of a finisher, more like able to have a physical presence in the box, like up against a Wendy Renard to really convert some of their their better play. Mm. But I thought Leon just looked so poor defensively. And I mean... When you have Amandi Norri and Wendy Renard as your centre-backs. Well, I don't want to feel sorry for Leon because it's Leon. But I feel like everything that could go wrong for them is just going wrong. So obviously, yeah, they started with Henri and Renard as their centre-backs, which is what they switched to during the Arsenal game last week. And then I guess this was like in the first half, I think, that Juve had a free kick that went into the Lyon box and Damaris basically got 
flattened by the combination of Janice Kamen and Endler. Trini is gone. It looks really bad. It looks really bad. It, it really sucks for her. She's had she's not had a great time with injury anyway. But also then from a footballing perspective, Leon then have to rip up this whole new centre-back pairing they've decided to go with and move Henri back into the midfield and play Somba in, in defence. And yeah, I just... If when you were watching this game, it was like you could just see like Leon's defense contracting as Juve, but with no plan of what they were doing, they were all just kind of getting closer and closer together. Am I correct in saying that Selma Basha also went off with a bit of an injury? Selma Basha, she didn't go off, she was crying at the end of the match, like she stayed down at the final whistle. Mm. So I don't know what's happening there, but so if that goes wrong, and that's just awful, yeah. Yeah, Leon just do not look good at all. Because obviously, yeah, without Damaris, then you have to move Henri. And obviously, Henri, for some reason, is a first-choice centre-back. Hope for them is that Vanessa Gilles was on the bench. So I assume Vanessa Gilles will be fit soon. So I suspect we will start seeing Gilles and Ronaldo together. Well, I guess Leon have the good luck of not having any Champions League until next month. And they don't have any let's say hard games they have flurry they have uh gingam i don't know how to say that and they have <laughs> until that's their november matches until they have zurich in the end of november so they're lucky flurry are fun i wouldn't write i wouldn't write off flurry. that is fair to be fair they, d- they didn't do too bad last season i think they finished fourth didn't they or something but yeah leon do not look good at all and damaris i watched that video and i wanted to that was really awful i wouldn't be surprised if that's acl plus fracture like it looked really 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 bad but signa brun would that be the other midfielder that you would put i mean it's kind of ironic that a leon midfielder was playing for juventus and gonna set here that she would have been the best if she wouldn't have left yeah well i guess like so leon have scored two goals off of 4.3 xg so far this Champions League. So I do think there's an element of which you can say like they've been quite unlucky, but I did think Mallard didn't have a great she game. She hasn't really had a great like start of the season so far. No, but I do think I think it's maybe been a tough couple of months for her. I don't know. I just think obviously she was kind of playing as a nine and it was going quite well. Hegeberg comes back. She's then, she keeps a position, but she's then shunted out to the wing. And now you've kind of got this thing where it's like, she's sort of up, up front, but La Somera is also up front. They did bring Senior Brun on towards the end of the game. But I just think also she was like shunted around a lot in the France team during the Euros. And I think it is hard when you're a younger player like that. Yeah. I think she's clearly like super talented. There were some touches she had during this game, which were like amazing. But that she also had like quite a few free headers and, and things like that, which she should have done better with. It just feels like at the moment, Leon's only real method of scoring is like Lindsay Horan. Which says a lot. Doing something. Yeah, and I mean, the, the goal here, it was a Paulina Pero Mannion mistake, really. Like, I don't know what, what she was thinking she was doing. I mean, everything else has been like Horan free kicks. So, yeah, it just doesn't really feel like they've got much idea of what they're trying to do with the ball it could be it's all up in the air basically because when you look at it arsenal really grand they're winning and they're doing okay 
for the standard, but when you look at the way they've been playing, you just don't really see it coming together just yet. Juventus, Juventus, they're always going to be a bit, not a bit of a problem, but they're never going to be, no, that sounds wrong. They don't have the players necessary to be able to consistently be at the top. Like if you have a one-off game, they're going to be able to defend it and get a goal like that. I mean, we saw it last season when they played well against Leon. Well, I mean, given Leon were man down, but then the second game, they just couldn't really keep it up. But we shall talk now about who's going to finish top of the group. Arsenal? Well, I think it's Arsenal's to lose, but I do think the Juve-Arsenal games could be really key because I think if Juve are going to go through, they probably need to get points yeah. off Arsenal. I think the style, well. the similarity in style and obviously Joe Montemurro is going to be a very interesting match to, to watch tactically. But it just depends what Jonas wants to do with himself. Like it's, I still don't really understand what Jonas is trying to do. I mean, you put Jordan Jordan Nobbs, Manu Ibuchi and Kimmel on the midfield and they played as if they have never played before because it's true. But this was this Arsenal team, like this is the problem with this game, right? Like it was kind of a comfortable win and Jonas was just playing his players basically. For the sake of it. And you yeah. can tell. He played Jan Beat it. <laughs> that says it all. Well, kind of right. I mean, when you have not that it doesn't make sense, but it it wasn't really a satisfying win. Do you think he should have like we're obviously gonna get on to, to Chelsea in a bit, but do you think he should have done what Chelsea did and used this as an opportunity? to play pretty much a first-choice team and get the impressive win. Because if I'm Jonas, I'm saying, well, we got our impressive win last week in Lyon, so why why don't no, I? No, I mean, I'm a big fan of rotation. It's just like he does it at such rogue times and he doesn't do it consistently, which is what pisses me off. It's like you had the chance to get to Reading, you're going to have a few chances, you know, coming up. But, like, he never does it consistently enough for it to work. And even, like, Viv was down for, like, the last... 15 minutes of the match she was struggling with her head I, I think it was her head when she got knocked out by the keeper she was struggling she was down on her knees not down on her knees but her hands on her knees struggling and Jonas just refuses to take her off it's just like little things like that that I don't think he's managing the team quite well at the moment and I think that's gonna come to effect when you do the rotations and you have these players that maybe aren't mentally ready to to play a Champions League match at the Emirates, for example. I'm not saying it was a bad game because, I mean, it was a good win, but I just don't know how much of the Jonas management is going to be affecting the players that don't usually play and they're called on to play. Um, I didn't, I wasn't too impressed with the midfield yesterday, but again, you can't really fault them. I thought Jordan did well. Mana was more quiet. Um, Kim is going to be Kim, but I just I am curious to see how often he decides to rotate these players because I think these players need a lot of game time to be able to keep up with the standard of everything. I messaged a friend during this game and said, "Oh God!" said, "Maybe maybe this is why Jonas doesn't play Jordan and Mana." And then Jordan scored that ridiculous goal, and like five minutes later, Mana gets the assist for the second goal, and I was like, "Well, that's yeah. me shown." Um, yeah, shout out for Jordan's finish. That was that was immense. But generally, I thought she was pretty yeah. poor. Like aside from the goal, that's why I said like the midfield just it just wasn't working. There was no creativity coming out of the midfield. Yeah, it, it, and it. I mean, I think the thing that I found strange is I the midfield is like whatever because 
I thought Zurich were like decent, but Arsenal had enough to, to win this game. I thought the defence was the weird choice because you don't have a lot of time and Leah and Raffaele are out for these like unknown amounts. I can understand maybe you want to get BT to have minutes just in case. But at the same time, you're working on building a centre-back partnership between Lotta and Steph and also Lotta and Laura. And then suddenly Lotta's playing between Moritz and BT. And I thought that reflect and a different goalkeeper behind her, which again is like whatever. But I thought Maritz was really poor. And I thought you saw errors coming into Wobben Moy's game as well. I don't think it has to matter. I just think... Well, it's always the argument that Lata doesn't look good with someone worse next to her. She looks decent when someone mm. better next to her, but when it's the same level or, or a bit less, then you can you really see what she's missing. Yeah. If, if it was me, I would be really keen to focus on having a really set defence for, for now. Um, of course, maybe Arsenal don't worry about that because they always keep clean sheets. Oh, no, they didn't. Um, but, like, look, they've got quite a nice run of fixtures until over the next couple of weeks anyway. They've got United in the middle of November before the Juve games. But So what would you do against West Ham and Leicester? They're not, like, a scary fixture, but they're good enough to be able to work on consistency with a centre-back pairing, for example? Yeah, I think I think what this showed is that Jonas decided that this was the game he was going to rotate on so he could play his normal team. I think what will be interesting and what I'm intrigued by is because, you know, he didn't impress me, Stina Blacksenius, and obviously Viv's now back at the nine, so I'm very, very intrigued as to who starts that West Ham game. That's now the one position that I'm like, I don't know who Arsenal play there. Because I think he'll keep Mark at the 10. I think he has to. Is I mean, obviously Viv has been looking really grumpy, but I just, I really want to know. What... She always looks grumpy. Yeah, that's true. There is, what was it? There is a video. I think it came up on my TikTok this morning. Viv wanted to get a, she went for a drinks break, looked at Jonas and turned her back. <laughs> Jonas was just like awkwardly standing there. That was really wow. funny. I, I love this TikTok analysis. I know. It was Drop great. that link on the box-to-box Twitter, please. <laughs> Thank you, TikTok algorithm, for the drama. <laughs> no, but I am curious as to... Again, it goes back to that mentality. I just don't think Jonas and the players are really working well at the moment. I think it's just frustrating. Obviously, I mean, we see it from outside, the inconsistency between the players, the lineups, the style of play, because obviously when you put Viv as a nine, um, Freedom Adam as a 10, and then when you put Viv as a 10, I mean, the style just changes it entirely. And now you have Lena Hurtig on the wing, so you're adding in all these different components, and potentially the inconsistency and everything is kind of pissing off certain players, because it is frustrating to have to do that. I just hope it, it kind of goes back to somewhat normality soon before that Juve game. Because if you go into Juventus without really knowing what you want to do and with players unhappy, I think that that could go easily really, really wrong. So in Group C, Arsenal are top on six points. Juve have four, Leon have one and Zurich have zero. So definitely interesting one that is really living up to its, its drama that we thought it would. Uh, a group that we maybe didn't think would be so dramatic. 
is Group D, Benfica 2, Bayern Munich 3. So I was at home for this game uh, and the Arsenal game, and I initially put Arsenal on the big TV. Oh, no, I was wrong to put Arsenal on the big TV. So that makes it sound like I have two TVs. I have a normal TV that I'm calling a big TV and an iPad. So uh, (laughs) I put Arsenal on the telly and this game on the iPad, and I had to switch because Benfica went 2-0 up. Bayern somehow got it back to 2-2 without being particularly impressive. Benfica then get a penalty in the 89th minute, but it's saved. And then Georgia Savoy, who else, steps up and lovely shot uh, in the 98th minute to win it 3-2 for Bayern. Does this game, Alex, show the benefit of the kind of group stages here? Because obviously Benfica drew 0-0 with Bayern last year. Do you think that gave them the confidence to like, Go for it a bit more. I think definitely. I think they got comfortable with... I mean, they're that... It's that mentality that they have nothing to lose. I mean, you're going to play Bayern Munich and what... It was the same with Arsenal last week. I mean, Arsenal got a 5 one You go to holders knowing that you're well below European um, kind of standard compared to Leon, and that happens. So I think Benfica just have that mentality overall. And they're not like, they're not a bad side at all. It's just when you put them up against, you know, a Bayern Munich and Barcelona and all these things, you can see the the difference in the the club and kind of the players and the money and everything. But they're not a bad team when you looked at them last season. I think that group stage last season really did build their confidence because they know what they're capable of. And they know that a group stage in the Champions League, pretty much anything can happen. And if these teams are kind of underestimated them and they're coming up with a team that is maybe less than their, you know, gala starting 11, then I think Benfica have all the right to potentially get some points off. I mean, they almost did yesterday. But I think I think it is quite interesting to see Benfica kind of thrive in this. And I think we could potentially start seeing more teams do that now that the group stages are in and you see you know, these smaller teams coming up with these big surprises. And I think it's going to, in the long run, benefit. I still want a Women's Europa League, but that's a whole other conversation. But yeah, it, it should be good. But what did you think of Bayern? Because obviously they did lose the other day to Wolfsburg. But what do you what do you think of them so far? Yeah, I thought they were pretty poor in this game. They definitely didn't create many clear-cut opportunities and to be honest I think they were pretty lucky Marla Gross made such a bad error for the Lacasse goal but honestly Benfica had a number of other opportunities which they probably should have scored from and their first goal was really well worked like it's it's not just like it's not just like a shitty goal it wasn't like a Melvin Malad own goal like it was genuinely a really good build-up goal no I was really impressed with uh, Kika Nazareth I thought she had a really really good game uh, yeah, the penalty save as well from Marla Gross, she looks really far off her line. So I think Bayern kind of got away with one there. But I just feel like Bayern's problem is they play very, very centrally and they've got a lot of players who like to play through the middle. And I guess maybe in the past you'd have seen them try and get more width from pushing their fullbacks up. But obviously they've lost Hannah Glass and Julia Gwynn to injury basically season-ending injuries and that is big like that's hard for a team if you're if you're relying on your fullbacks for wit in particular that's a hard thing for for them to get round and I think 
it just means they can be quite congested going through the middle. So if a team is going to play with a low block, which Benfica weren't like super defensive, but obviously, you know, that's what they're looking to do. You just get this situation where I think there's lots of Bayern players occupying the same spaces and it didn't really feel like they had the wherewithal to kind of think about playing in different areas and and trying out different things. And I think that's kind of the problem with them. It feels like at the moment that there's not really enough variety in their play. And obviously it's great that, you know, George Stanway is getting her first goals or whatever, but you're not going to be able to rely on midfielders constantly getting shots away in a game, like at the end of a game, which is super stretched. And I just think, they need to think about how they work to use more of the pitch and work to pull teams out of position a bit more. Stuff they want to work on. I mean, I was I was genuinely excited for Bayern Munich this season just because I, I think they have a lot of really, really top players that could do really well, especially, again, I wasn't really watching this, but Lena Magold, do you want to, what happened? She came off stretchered. Or was that that was concussion, wasn't it? She was stretched off, but it was it was a concussion, and uh, and I think okay. she's fine. So okay, so that's good news. But yeah, I think Bayern's strength in numbers right now is obviously the midfield. But then yeah, if you don't really have a working unit around them, it kind of goes to waste. And if they're relying on that, especially when again you come up against Wolfsburg and you have you know this attacking three that's doing you know Ewa Bayard is finally back in rhythm, doing really really well. And, you know, Wolfsburg are relying on their attacking players, but then you have Bayern Munich, who can't really say the same. Like, when you look at the goals, it's George Stanaway and Maxi Raul, and you have Leo Schuller, Linda Dahmen, and Karabul on the pitch, and they didn't really score yesterday. It makes you wonder what's going to happen there. But quick, okay, prediction. Barca-Bayern, who's winning? I think Barca walk those games. By a lot? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I just think Bayern, I just don't see where Bayern are getting their opportunities from. And at the moment, it just feels quite either like individual moments Mm. or a bit like chaos ball, like obviously the goal they got against Wolfsburg. And I just think Barcelona will, will just be too good for them. And I mean, you know, I know we've just spoken about Benfica looking good and blah, blah. And it's great to see kind of these smaller teams performing well in the group stages. But this is a team that lost 9-0 to Barcelona last week. That's why this result feels surprising. Yeah. I do think you can't entirely just... I I made a joke on London is Blue about, (laughs) you know, Chelsea being four times better than Real Madrid because we won, beat Blatzner 8-0 and Real Madrid did 2-0. It obviously doesn't work like that, right? Obviously it does. Yeah. (laughs) But I do think there is something to say when, if a team is, you know, winning so comfortably against a team that then seems fairly even, because like the underlying numbers were pretty good for Benfica as well. This isn't like, even in the Leon situation where you're like, well, if Leon and Juve play that game again, Leon probably win. Mm. This is like... It could have been up in the end. Benfica could, could have been won. anything. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I think that's my concern for, for Bayern. But Barcelona obviously won as well. What's the XG on that? 5.5 <laughs> XG. That's jokes. And what's hilarious is they, they so they won 4-1. Yeah. 
they went 2-0 up. Olivia Holt got a uh, goal back from Rosengard and then Mariona scored two goals in the second half. Golazo. I lo- Did you see on Instagram she called yeah. it uh, Chiarazzo? Yeah. What really made me laugh was Patri was like, I need to learn. Because obviously from the final. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, she yeah. was like, I need to learn how to do this. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the Mariona goal was absolutely amazing. It was if you so, haven't so watched, she what's really cool. So she basically lobs the goalkeeper from the center circle. But normally when you see players do that, they're like really set, I feel. And like mm. they get they kind of like look up and like get the option to do it. But what was so cool is like the ball's kind of just she bouncing took, around in midfield. Touch, and then that's it. Yeah. And so it just kind of comes to Mariona. It's not like She's had loads of time to like set, look up. It's like a really quick, impressive goal. And it was it's so like it was like straight down the middle of the goal as well. Mm. Like the accuracy on that was just really, really well. It was very, very good. Um, but Barcelona didn't look great. Mm. You you're putting this down to the pitch again. Yes. I mean they got five point five X three. They were like, so you know. I mean it's not I didn't get to see much of it, but from what I did see, I mean it's not much different from what they've been doing in the league mm. it's just they're struggling and it's been a, a constant struggle of just not getting goals compared to everything else that's going well but I think I think that's gonna take a bit of time and I'm not saying a long time like I just think you know maybe a few more matches when you have Agana back in the midfield and that get that consistent rhythm back again someone messaged me yesterday and was like Agana good morning is really really good <laughs> it was in Spanish, but that was that was the message, and it made me laugh a lot. <laughs> Obviously, yeah, Jay's. I mean, it was a good finish from Ivana. That curling, the one where Gaze um kind of fought for the ball back. So yeah, Aitana had a had a good game. I yeah. thought. Um, I don't know why Rosengard gave her so much space on the edge of the box. Like it was literally there was Rosengard defenders just watching her. I was like, what do you think Aitana is gonna do? But yeah, nothing but- obviously. The one negative, I guess, for Barca from this game, Carolina uh, Graham. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> no, you need to talk about it. Going off, looks like a hamstring injury. How much of a loss do you think CJH will be for this Barcelona side? It's a hard it's one. Out for a couple of weeks. I think maybe. I honestly don't think it's going to make that much of a difference. I genuinely, I just, I just think we're, I mean, obviously she, if I remember correctly, she didn't start the last league game and that was fine. I think now it just depends who's going to play there. Because obviously last time AMC played in that right wing position, but I don't think that's really a permanent. I don't think she would kind of be the exact replacement for, for CGH. I would probably put Claudia Pina or Mariona on that side, depending, I would, that's the question. Who would you want to see in front of Lucy Bronze? Mariona or Claudia Pina? I personally or would. I would play Jace and I don't really understand whether Nuria is just kind of like bedding in, but I think for me, I would play a front three of Rolfo, Oshwala, and Jace. And then maybe if you, and then have Nuria at left back. But then if you don't think Nuria is ready, then put Mariona at left wing and Rolfo behind her. If you mm. want to keep on doing that, and then what? Shift Mariona into the midfield. Yeah, exactly, and like just rotate, rotate through like either Rolfo Mariona at left wing, or yeah, have rotate between Patri, Aitana, Kira, and Mariona in midfield. Who thought we would be talking about Kira Washington and Barcelona midfield? It's still weird. <laughs> We've been talking about it, but, but it's still now. weird. It's like 
because usually it's like Mariona, Patri, everyone, and then it's like Kira. Yeah. <laughs> like such an English name. So, so you're saying we need to Spanishize her name. Basically. But yeah, Barça play Levante next, which is That's gonna be a fun it's game. It's gonna be a fun game. So I think I think I think Kira Les has the pressure to kind of figure out that CGH situation quite quickly. Yeah. To decide what's best for that position. But I am curious to see as to what happens. But I do agree that maybe Jay could be um quite good in front of Lucy Bronze also. I just they, think her they and Lucy Bronze, really well. they seem to have a really good relationship. Off yeah. the pitch and but when they play together, they have a lot of fun. Yeah. I think I think that could be fun more than anything, which is obviously more dangerous as you could see with Carolyn here at Real Madrid at the moment. But we can talk about that. Madrid zero PSG zero not like I mean I didn't I didn't get to watch I watched some of it at the King's Meadow while I was waiting for Chelsea to, to start Alex is such a working woman it's tough <laughs> when you've got to catch that social concept con uh yeah all the social content and then no time to watch the other games it's fine that's I why know. I stayed on the sofa and watched them exactly also. thank you sacrifice from box to box yeah <laughs> I watched I did watch that from what I watched it was it the most entertaining match but then I watched the highlights and I realized how many chances Real Madrid had to finish the game particularly that one Sandy Doletti the Toletti missed is bad yeah that was bad she had more than enough time to take a first touch and finish that quite calmly but I think from the highlights it was mostly Madrid chances um so I am quite confused as to why they didn't score, Jesse, do you want to elaborate? <laughs> I don't think that I don't think this felt like a game that I was like Madrid should have won because I thought PSG had good chances as well. I definitely think in the first half hour there was so much space for PSG in transition, but they just didn't know what to do when they got the ball. And yeah, I think obviously it's like self-explanatory, but they are missing Katoto a lot. They played Lika Martins as the nine for this game. And it was just, yeah. for me, watching this game, it just felt like lots and lots, for PSG, lots and lots of individuals who just don't know how to play like play with each other. Like, there were points where, you know, Diani goes through on goal and she should be looking for Lika to make the pass, but she doesn't. She just wants to go alone. But she's really out of form at the moment. I think she went yeah. one-on-one with Misa as well. And really, I think she should have finished that. Was that. A, that, that was a really good pass from Ramona Bachman as well. Yeah, I, I actually think Ramona Bachman is maybe playing the best out of all of them. Oh, yeah. I think, <laughs> I think, I think that's fairly accurate. Uh, yeah, she put some good balls into the box as well. She was on corners. I don't know if this is how you actually say her name, but the commentator quit calling her Bachman, which I guess is maybe like if you're doing like a Swiss impression, how you should say it, but Bachman. it really made me laugh. Uh, just That's just a side note. Real Madrid... Yeah, so they do look really, really open, I think, at the back. And we kind of saw that against Levante, right? And then I think yeah. PSG kind of exploited it here, but they just didn't really know what to do with it. Going forward, they, they were kind of weird too. It was weird. I know everyone's into this, like, ooh, Caroline Weir plays as at right wing, but... It's not, it's not, it's not where she thrives. Yeah, and I think obviously, you know, like it's not a problem if you're gonna allow like if you're gonna have her drifting in centrally, that's cool. But you then aren't exploiting the same as many spaces as you could. It's kinda of like we're talking about with Bayern. It's like then everything starts going through the middle, the where middle. suddenly you've got Zornotha. And I just thought like playing Olofsson and Teletti together. Yeah. I don't know. I just it just doesn't make sense. I just think it it works particularly well, and I thought Esther Gonzalez had quite a poor game too. So I just think 
both of these teams are a bit a mess. Meh. It's basically who's the worst of who's the worst. Kinda. Uh you should talk about the one highlight of the game, which was Caroline Weir's little skill. That was very sexy. <laughs> it was very, was, very good. That was very it was for those who haven't seen it, you can go on to Zone Football and watch it. Hey. It was a how would you describe it? It was kind of like an outside of the foot heel touch. And then off the bounce, she then does a it was a brilliant pass to do it normally. Because yes. it was into space and into the path of was it Olga Carmona? Or was it Gladios? It was I think it was into was the it path. Fonoso? I'm not entirely, I don't remember off the top of my head, but it was into the space and into the path of the player. But she managed to do that off the bounce in a back heel pass off her ridiculous outside of the foot touch. Yeah, it was very, very good. It was very good. It just all of it. And then, or was it at the nail actually? Because I'm pretty sure at the nail is the one that fucked up the pass to <laughs> Caroline Weir. So basically, yeah, so Kaz does this brilliant skill, gives it into space for at the nail, and then continues her run. At the nail gets into the box. Cuts it back for Caroline Weir, but then she cuts it back like in the air. So Caroline Weir has to obviously take a touch and an awkward touch because it was quite close, one in the air and quite hard. And then Caroline Weir doesn't get to take the shot off, which is quite disappointing. But anyway, that skill was just exquisite. Yeah, it was it was one of those ones which, unlike the hilarious Anthony Beyblade spin that everyone's talking about all the time, was made so much better because it was actually like part of the play you know, rather than just putting a random pass into the penalty area. But it was just everything about it. The touch, perfect. Back heel pass off, like, a half volley back heel pass. And on top of that, the pass was a brilliant pass into space. And into the, like, it was just, everything was just, like, crispy, perfect, sexy. All right, well, if you watch that, you've basically watched everything good that happened in that game. But let's now talk about the best Champions League performance of the week. Chelsea no. 8, Vlasnia nil. We're good at eye movement. Woo! No. Oh, come on. You were there. This was good, right? <laughs> it was an awful night. <laughs> <laughs> I think, anyway, Kings Meadow is the worst stadium there is. Why? It's not accommodating for anybody. Well, at least for, like, media, it's not. Oh, what a shame. Okay, guys, uh, King's Meadow is bad because Alex can't film her social content there. You had it hit first. The atmosphere was amazing. There was 500 Vlasnia fans throwing flares onto the bitch. What's not to love? The the Vlasnia fans were really, really good. It was really funny because it was basically just all Vlasnia fans and Chelsea fans were quite quiet, and I found that quite interesting because, obviously, Chelsea were running riot and... The losing team was the one that was making the most. I'm going to stand up for the Chelsea fans here. I don't think they were quiet. I think it was just like Vlatsnia were like next level. Vlatsnia were louder than PSG fans last week. Yeah, that was um, that was quite nice. But it was, I think the funny bit was like, they were scattered all over the stadium. Yeah. Like there was, because there was like one court, there was like one little corner, like where their flares were, there was that. But then next to, like across from the benches there was there but then next to the benches on the other side end of the camera there was like a whole bunch of them there and then there was another group like on the other side of the goal so like when they all started singing the entire stadium started singing because they were just literally just scattered around everywhere but yeah so let's okay let's actually talk about the football instead of the fans 8-0 win Sam Kerr Pernille Harder seven goals (laughs) out of all of them ridiculous Uh, a bit ridiculous that girl right in if I Four assists. Four assists on her hundredth appearance. 
indeed girl right now I think had a good game and she was very unfortunate not to get a goal either she was very cute um every time she would kind of mess up a ball or like miss a goal she was uh like jumping like I have videos I'll probably post them eventually she was like a little kid like, just like jumping around but yeah harder looking good in the midfield Jesse. Yeah, for me, this game was all about the harder Wright and Kerr trio. Like, so many of the goals just came from those three working really, really well together. I think it was obviously a big confidence boost for Sam. Some of her goals were tap-ins, but the first one, I think, especially, was really, really well taken. Hopefully, just the game she needed to kind of get her confidence back, get ready to get going again. But, yeah, I think, for me, I keep trying to decide who was like my player of the match I think I went with Brighton when I was talking about this game yesterday on Under Blue but um maybe Harder is the one who stands out the most just because I feel like we're where we were at the start of last season where it felt like she was really motoring in this team and I do think this central role has kind of I think this is the reason the team's been reshuffled to kind of give her that and I think you saw in this game how kind of devastating she she could be in that how good she is whether it's putting balls into the box whether it's putting them out wide I don't you know the question is like do you just put Kirby alongside her and and play it you know Jesse Fleming was there it was Fleming right in midfield yeah, yeah. with uh Sophie Ingle as kind of the pivot yeah. player and Maybe you just swap out Fleming for Kirby. I don't know. But it will definitely be interesting to see what that looks like. Maybe you just carry on rotating all through the winter with them because there are a lot of games, obviously. So I think this was just a game Chelsea really, really needed to play some good football. And obviously it is Latsnia, but as I've kind of already joked about, Real Madrid only won 2-0. So it's not like... And we've seen teams not absolutely smash these you know four pot teams so I don't think you should we've seen Chelsea you know like the Sabet 1-0 obviously last year like these games aren't always easy but it just felt like Chelsea blew through them and they just looked like to use an Emma Hayes phrase they were purring and we haven't seen that yet this season and then no, made me happy I I was impressed with Eve Prayer set at right back I thought she was involved a lot in the attack which was quite nice although she needs a bit of work with her relationship with Chelsea Fleming. They were, I think they tried a lot of things and it just didn't work out because mm. there wasn't that understanding just yet. Uh, but if that does go well, like the ideas were just really good, but I think it was misplaced passes and just not really understanding of what each other want. But that could potentially be a good relationship. But what is that? So obviously, Kadisha Buchanan and Magda Eriksson at center backs, no Millie Bright in the squad. What would you change? a normal match so I don't know this is so I immediately was like Kanisha Buchanan looks so much more confident as the right side of centre back it makes a big difference but was that just in my head I don't know she didn't really have to do any defending yeah I don't think she was good enough to take Millie Bright's spot just yet uh, oh no Millie Bright is always the first name down on that defence there's no question that it, it, there's a question of where Millie Bright plays like I think you can make an argument that if Chelsea play back three you put Buchanan as the right side of centre-back and play Millie in the middle with whoever as the left side of centre-back. Yeah. Uh, but I definitely think this game hinted very heavily at, if I wouldn't go say so far as to say it proved, but hinted very heavily that if you want to get the best of Buchanan, you, you can't be playing her as 
as the left-sided player. Yeah. So I don't know what I don't know what Chelsea do with that, but again, maybe you just kind of start rotating around your your centre backs a bit more. I think what I hope this game showed is that Chelsea have are building well as a squad. And I think that is what Chelsea have lacked over the past couple of seasons. I've said it before, but, you know, despite having a strong bench, they've re- often relied on a very set starting eleven. And I think when you look at the way they played against Brighton and the way they played against Vlatsnia, you know, so many, even Alcio Abdelina, like, coming on for her, like, 15 minutes. That was a really good assist that she got. Yeah, and there was another one where she cut the ball back and someone missed it but they should have scored but again I think that's like a real boost Fitcover obviously got her first Chelsea goal so I I thought it was a really like positive performance even though like I'm, I'm obviously joking when I'm like we're gonna win the Champions League because we played like this but I think in terms of like the trajectory Chelsea are on they are coming into what looks like good form at a very useful time so Chelsea obviously have Madrid back-to-back as their next two Champions League matches are you slightly nervous or would you be confident that Chelsea are going to stay in that top spot in the table? I do think given the level of performance we've seen from Real Madrid that this top spot is kind of Chelsea's to lose. That being said, we've seen, che- like I felt like that before about Chelsea and Champions League group. I felt like about you know runs of fixtures for Chelsea before and stuff happens and obviously you have Man United before it before that so that could be a big game there yeah I think what will be cool is that the game directly before it, it obviously there's an international break Chelsea come up that and play Tottenham at Stamford Bridge hopefully that will be a real good feeling good win to shake off the international break cobwebs and then to go into the Madrid game at home I think it's good to be playing Madrid at home first because if we can mm. get the win at King's Meadow we're then on nine points that would be a really good confidence boost with a game at Vlatsnia still to go and I think yeah. that would that would look really really good for us so I do feel good I think you know the, the signs are pointing in a much more positive direction than I would have said they were two weeks ago but this is Chelsea there's always some kind of new drama or illness or injury to her diary in the dressing room Uh, exactly exactly (laughs) so uh let's see I won't be holding my breath but I think I think that like I've said it was worth getting excited about that performance beyond it just being blasted I think that's fair I think the consistent obviously Chelsea we talked about it in the last what was it last two like two episodes ago about how Chelsea just haven't really gotten that running start in the season just yet uh, Sam Kerr didn't get a good start of the season, and now she scored four goals and a backflip. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I think I, I think it is looking positive for Chelsea, but I just think it's now about keeping that consistency of of how far they can actually progress with the rhythm. But looking at another group, uh, Saint Poulton three, Roma four. Roma got that last minute winner. Well, the Saint Poulton scored after, but they got that that clinch goal at the eighty seventh minute. Roma are looking good for that second spot in the group. I think that could be really, really good for them. And I, I, I'm rooting for them. I quite like them. When 
they got that comeback last season, not last season, the last match. I think the attitude of the players really impressed me. Uh, when they scored, they were all together. You know, the players were motivating themselves and every single player that had a shot on target towards the end of that match was obviously getting really mad at themselves for, for missing it. They were just really into, you know, trying to do the best that they can. But obviously they've been struggling a bit, going down and then having to come back, mm-hmm. making it hard on themselves. But Jesse, what do you think of this match? Yeah, I think this scoreline is quite misleading. As fun as this game was, like it really was all Roma, like especially the first half. I don't understand how they didn't score. They could have been two or three nil up, to be honest. And then, yeah, they have this four goals in 12 minutes. It kind of felt like the St. Poulton goalkeeper just gave up, (laughs) which is a real shame because uh, they made a really good penalty save for the for Roma one of Roma's goals like came from a penalty um but it felt like after that went in they were like oh fuck it and there was like some long range shots that just really really bad and to be fair the Roma goalkeeper didn't cover itself in glory either but yeah I I think they looked they looked much better than than St. Holton despite how close the score was and yeah it was a deserved win and it's exciting for them because I do think they will feel good to have got six points over those, you know, to come away with playing Slavia Prague and St. Poulton with six points is pretty much, well, it was the best thing that they could do. And yeah, Basically. I, I agree. It does look that I'll go through in seconds and they, they are a fun team, you know, joint top of Serie A as well. So good vibes there. It's not, yeah, there's good vibes. I think that's a, that's a good, I think knockout rounds and away day in Roma. All right, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. That's not a bad shot. Football I'll be down for that. Uh, okay, yeah. let's, let's, manif- let's manifest this. Chelsea or Arsenal, Roma in the quarterfinals. Let's go. Amen. Manifesting. <laughs> <laughs> but top of the group is obviously quite secured for Wolfsburg, who got a 2-0 win over Slavia Braha. Uh, Brand and Bayor link up. I am really happy that Bayor is kind of back and thriving. Um, I think a lot of people forgot about her because she obviously went off with injury. Uh, Wolfsburg have a shit ton of attacking players, so it's quite easy to to forget about a couple. But it is quite exciting to see her back and really, really scoring, considering you have, you know, Yula Brand, Alex Pop, all these names around her, and I think she's doing quite well. But Oberdorf, I do want to say about that Oberdorf skill, was it to Brand that she gave that pass to? Yes. A little like heel nice. but the way she does it the way like she meant it entirely like oh yeah she, she like she like lifts her like, it wasn't just like because there's a few that said you just leave your foot and just let the ball bounce but like she guided that ball exactly where she wanted it to go again very sexy applause applause to Lena Oberdorf this the problem is though I if I had to sum up this match what I would say is that the fact that Lena Oberdorf was spraying passes out wide on the edge of the area doing skills. You have gone wrong in a game if that is what Lena Oberdorf is doing rather than like focusing on barreling into tackles. Basically. That's all you need to know about this match. That Lena Oberdorf was on the edge of the area doing tricks and flicks. Full stop. End of story. End of story. Do you think that Wolfsburg should have won this by a bit more? Oh, yeah. I was just going to say, Pyro had such a funny game. Like, she should have scored so many. Her stats are crazy this year. I just got to look up. She's played seven games, eight goals, and four assists in yeah. seven matches. 
And she should have scored so many more in this game. I'm glad she got one. Uh, she, she probably scored the hardest one as well. Classic. I love it when uh, strikers do that. Svenja Hukasis was very good as well. Svenja Hukasis was good. Great finish. But yeah, there was like, Lena Obadov also had an amazing shot that just like, Eva Payor just blocked it herself. <laughs> and I was like, you can't deny Lena a goal, Eva. That is so unfair. Uh, but yeah, uh, Payor's having a great season. She, Wolfsburg should have should have won by more, but it, it didn't. It didn't matter. They won. Clearly. They they look good on another day. They probably uh, do a Chelsea, uh, <laughs> win by six or seven. I think it's it's not lucky for them, but I think it is quite relaxing knowing that you're gonna play all these Champions League matches, knowing that you're pretty much set to go top of the group. Yeah, it yeah. is quite freeing not to have to stress about. Playing. But it's interesting. They didn't really rotate much you know they are still taking it seriously and I guess that's also like interesting from from Tommy Stewart I guess maybe the opposite of what we're talking about with Jonas of being like okay you know you keep your same team I think so Vedermeyer came in and Brandt obviously came in uh and a couple of players dropped out but like it was a it was a strong team yeah Hoot was playing Rod was playing Payor was playing and they played like a lot of the game as yeah. well so yeah I think positive signs for oh, Wolfsburg very positive in the league as well obviously you can listen to our last episode for that analysis Wee. of Wolfsburg promo hey subtle very subtle <laughs> but yeah that wraps up this week of the Champions League I'll go through the top of the league so obviously Arsenal sitting top of the table Wolfsburg sitting top of the table, Barca sitting top of the table, and who am I missing? Chelsea? Chelsea is sadly sitting top of the table. I'm kidding. Not really. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's that's top of the table now. Most surprising is obviously Arsenal. Everyone thought Leon was going to be comfortably sitting top of the table, but they're not, and it's very satisfying. But yeah, uh, PSG also have... Zero goals in two matches. Um, so that's not really looking too good for them either. But we'll see how this pans out. But yeah, Champions League coming back at the end of November. We get Barca Bayern is kind of the big one for that. And Real Chelsea. Yes, that's gonna be good. But Barca Bayern, I think is gonna be really, really good. Yeah, and obviously we'll come back next week with our regular weekend episodes and then after that football holidays for us to go to Madrid for a classical yeah uh, so we'll be there for that and yeah so a lot of content still coming consistently every week no matter what but this concludes our UWCL episodes yeah hope you enjoy that and go watch that Caroline Weir skill if you haven't yet because everyone deserves to see that at least once in their life